But first, a little disclaimer. We are prefacing a lot of the appeal of this podcast on the fact that we're prosecutors. However, we need you to understand we are not doing this podcast in our professional capacity as prosecutors. We're doing this as people after hours on our own time with our own equipment. Now, we know a lot about the law by virtue of what we do, uh, but we're also just interested in true crime. So our opinions and commentary in this podcast are not the opinions of our office or our employer. They are not our professional opinions and nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice or anything other than three friends blowing off some steam together. So with that in mind, don't try this at home. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. Last time you had part one. Hope you enjoyed it. Today is part two of Mackenzie Cow. It's like that. It's like that. It's what it's going to be. Part two. I'm fairly certain it's going to be dope. What do you think, Cheryl? I mean, that's a safe bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you, it is. You already know. All right. Enjoy. Um, all right. All right. So where are we at in the story? Uh, public defender gets a bunch of stuff excluded. These, these three pieces of evidence that we have discussed. Uh, but then mom says, cupcakes, get out of here. Yeah. Cupcake mom says, get out of here. Public defender. I am hiring John Henry Brown Esquire. This guy apparently is famous in the Northwest. He, uh, for a hot minute represented Ted Bundy, uh, who of course killed a bunch of people in Pacific Northwest. And he uh, represented a bunch of other bad guys. I think one was called like the Barefoot Bandit or something like that. What can I just say? If you're this Wilson dude, how excited are you? You got Bundy's attorney. Hundred percent. Oh my god. Hundred percent. Yeah. Y- yes. Yes. Especially. Wow. I didn't even think about that. But like, he's totally geeked out on serial killers. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's the dude, got the guy yeah. who represented Bundy. Damn. That's amazing. Ma did him a solid. Yeah, for sure. Ma's making his dreams come true. I don't even know. I can't. I can't imagine what that cost. Like, I, I looked this guy up. Okay. This John Henry Brown fellow. And let me tell you, it's uh, because, you know, I put a lot of stock in how people look. I didn't understand this until we started this podcast and everyone, you're like, oh, you should see this guy. And you incidentally did not print out any pictures to show. I did not. I'm sorry. Joe says you must judge a book by its cover. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've yet to be proven wrong. So uh, this guy, this John Henry Brown Esquire, he's got the look right far too tan Mm. cocaine kissed skin he's just got that that vibe that that we know (laughs) we know know what vibe you're talking about yeah yeah (laughs) so my man makes his living in seattle uh but he's got some history in this town he's got history in wenatchee and that is from an incident in the mid '90s where some craziness was popping off in this town. We, uh, you know, you heard about, obviously you've got old school like Salem witch hunt type stuff. Uh, similar occurrence in Wenatchee, circa 1995. They was hunting witches in 1995. They was hunting child diddlers. Oh, using like some repressed memory stuff, some psychicy stuff. And it was bad. To get the witchy boards out? It is pretty much. It is referred to as the Wenatchee witch hunt. 
and a bunch of dudes went to jail for diddling when ain't nobody got diddled. Um, according to Wikipedia, Jesus. 40, 43 a reliable source. Oh, thank you. I'm working with what I got, girl. <laughs> 43 adults were arrested on 29,726 charges of child sexual abuse. That's quite a few wow. counts in, of diddleage. Involving 60 children. This is a small town. Small town. 60, 60 child victims. This was all in the year of our Lord, 1995. Ultimately, every defendant who was imprisoned through these cases... Uh, were ultimately released by courts of appeal. All of them? Every defendant who was incarcerated. Everyone who was found guilty when, incarcerated. When you said they assembled a task force, you know, promptly after this car coming up missing, mm. I was about to make a joke about uh, pitchforks and torches. And now I mm. realize maybe I should have. Because <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and uh, Did they not have any real evidence? I, I, you know, that's, I don't know. If that's more, all of them got well, overturned. One of that's... the one of the things was the guy doing interviews, the investigators doing the interviews of children, which you know we know we have a whole system for interviewing children nowadays. Right. Uh, this was not that. Um, same dude would interview the children and would interview the suspects, and none of those interactions were recorded, uh, which seemed to be a problem. There was I... no recording of any of the interviews. Um, Honestly, I think I, one one investigator investigated an allegation made by his own child. He was the investigating officer on it, where his kid was like, I had a dream that this is, I mean, it, it was wild. Shit it, was wild. That, uh, I mean, okay, <clears throat> this uh, cowl girl, mm -hmm. this is an interesting case to me, but the phones in the area, the blood, it seems to me it's yeah, rel right, rel right, rel relatively straightforward. Mm. I mean, eventually, you know what I mean? That one town <laughs> rendered 30,000 counts of diddleage against 60 dudes. They go 43 down, dudes. 43 dudes. I'm sorry. They go of 60 kids. They go down for it. These 43 dudes and Negative. every single one of them was exonerated. They do not all go down for it. Turns out only the poor and minority folks were Jesus seeming God. to be the ones pleading guilty. Oh. Uh, the white folks got good lawyers and got I, some of them went to trial and were acquitted uh, others were just able to 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 rattle that cage until a uh, prosecutor lost faith in his in his case and dismissed. Ultimately, the state of Washington had to pay out freaking Bill Gates money to all these people, which that which they did. There were just lawsuits across the board, all over the place. Um, and the state paid state paid these guys and said sorry about that. That is yeah, that's so craziness. So this dude was a, well. The, you remember the I talked about the, the the white folks would get. Uh, get themselves good lawyers. Mm -hmm. One of the prominent defense was, was lawyers dude. in the Wenatchee witch hunt was a young John Henry Brown. And the prosecutor at the time during the Wenatchee witch hunt was a fellow named Gary Rison. Let's go to 2010, Chris Wilson, represented by a now slightly uh, salt and peppered John Henry Brown prosecutor, salt and peppered Gary Rison. It is a rematch of the Wenatchee witch hunt. Uh, but this lawyers. time he's got evidence. He do. Yeah, but lots I, of it. Gary coming. He do. He do. So, but let's hear what he's got to deal with. Let's hear what the defense is, is clapping out. And they're clapping it everywhere because apparently the ethics rules don't apply to them and they can talk about ongoing cases prior to trial in the media. So he says the DNA on the duct tape was not a complete profile. It was YSTR DNA. 
And we like the numbers, right? One in seven octillion. That's your jizz. You know, whatever the case is. Um, one in 2,700 males. That's not a very large random probability match. One in 1,047 white males. That's far from octillion, bruh. Far from it. So this That's still a large number for unrelated males. It is. And it's unrelated males. And he is not from this area. He has no male relatives in the area. Right. And, so, I mean, okay. That's the duct tape, right? That's the duct tape. Her blood, blood was in, the in your spot. Okay. Right. So the defendant's DNA. Here's point number two for the defense. Defendant's DNA was not on the murder weapon. There are three male profiles on the murder weapon. One is an analyst from the lab. <laughs> Jesus. Two could not exclude a deputy on scene. And the third one, don't know who it was, but it wasn't Chris Wilson. Hmm. No physical evidence could put the defendant in the victim's car or put the victim in the defendant's car. And they know she had to get out there somehow. Of course, you're not Tessa, right? This is this is all coming from, from Mr. Spray Council, yeah. yeah. There are a grand total of four unknown male contributors remaining in this case. Steering wheel, not the defendant. The second... Uh, Male DNA profile on the inside of the duct tape, the DNA under the fingernail, and that final profile on the knife that's not the deputy or the lab tech. So tell your client to tell us who else yeah, helped right? him. Yeah, right. Roll on the other people for a beneficial outcome for you. Well, guess who's back? Liz, Liz. reads back. Mm -hmm. Liz is back and she says, I'm going with my original story. Snuff film, Buddha and Sammy. I seen it. I seen it. And the defense, but you know what that doesn't explain? Blood what? in the apartment. Blood in the apartment. So he says. Direct quote. Unspeakable corruption. Blood planted by the police in Chris Wilson's apartment. That's, that's How does that explain the videos of that's him the, and old girl talking about the stain? That's the bong stain. And I they was trying to, to get. They and was, it just so happens to be in the exact spot they found the victim's blood. Yeah. They, they picked. They saw that stain and that's where they planted it because there was already stain there. Can, can, and I mean, I'm, and they was trying to get that security deposit back, bruh, and corruption. And he says, if you don't believe this kind of corruption is real. Let's talk what about, about that. Witch trials? What about oh, the Wenatchee no. witch trials? That's that's what I was about to say. I'd what be like, normally I'd be like, nah, that's not viable. But in this town, it sure sounds like they got a little history, recent history of not being on the up and up. And that you're telling me the same prosecutor was a dude at the helm back then too? Correct. Arr, that's that, Co that gives me just a little, right. a little bit of pause. So we coming up to trial. The stage is set. As trial approaches, the press, the public are shocked by a plea offer made by the state. And this got leaked out. You know, this is everybody wants to know. So they heard about it. You ready for the plea offer? What is it? Manslaughter. 6.5 years. That's the plea offer. Well, what? That's the plea offer. Manslaughter. Did it include tell us who helped you murder this girl and cooperate with their prosecution? Didn't see nothing about that. Saw manslaughter 6.5. Just... Give us a little something so we don't walk out of here. Even give us a little something lose. would be more than manslaughter. Get it rejected by the defendant. Well, I mean, if he's offering you manslaughter, you got to feel pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you got to know you got one on. He felt good enough to say it's trial time, baby. And then the jury was like, false. Well, mm -hmm. they tried to pick a jury, and they had they 
pimped out these questionnaires. They come in on Everybody day one. Everybody done heard about it. Day one of jury selection, 80 to 85%. I saw two different things. One was 80, one was 85. 80 to 85% of the jury pool said, oh boy, was guilty from the jump. Wow. Not only had they heard about it, but they had predetermined from their... Wow. From their knowledge. Correct. So... <coughs> Mr. Chris Wilson, he reconsiders and he says, "Hey, Mr. Prosecutor, I'm gonna uh, take that I would like, I would like, I would like to take that deal now." The prosecutor channels rape and says, "Get fucked." <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I gave you that offer. Now I got this jury looking real juicy. Nah, I ain't giving you the deal. But how are all those but jurors I mean, not I struck for he, cause right, like we they talked would be. about? I assume he's those, moving for those, a change of venue. I'm sure you get a change of venue. But he's just but saying. But he's saying the people, the right. public ain't buying this corruption stuff. I'm going to get this, right? So basically right. we're using this initial jury questionnaire as like a focus group yes. type thing. Gauging a -body the public response saying, to their campaign. You done mm -hmm. did it, dog. Indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gauge so, the public response to our defense campaign. Uh, prosecutor says... I'll tell you what I'll do. Manslaughter, and I don't know how their laws work out there. I didn't look up the statute. Manslaughter, 14 years. And you got to write a statement that says you did it. Defendant says, deal. Takes Damn. that deal. 14 years? Correct. Now. For murdering in cold blood a 17-year-old girl? Correct. Who ain't done nothing to nobody? Correct. She was a snitch. You forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I'm sure her father was just beside himself. Well, I, you know, actually, my man, my man seemed pretty chill throughout. Um, but it's it's weird, right? So you've got this prosecutor with history with this defense lawyer. He has been, this prosecutor, this very prosecutor has been smoked. He's been wrong before. He's been wrong and he's got to carry that with him. He's got to feel that. If he's a decent human, which I suppose that he is, he's got to at some time when he lays his head down go, oh man, I I prosecuted innocent people. That probably should have happened somewhere within the 43 cases that they charged. Right. And they didn't have any evidence. Right. Well, I, they thought they did. They thought they had. They thought they had these uh, uh, repressed memory. Uh, that was the hot shit back then. All sixty of these kids, at the same time. They thought of yeah. They thought that this without was proper child safe interviews, where you're sure you're not coercing them or asking them suggestive no, questions. I'm with you 100. percent But I'm just saying, this guy's still in the game. And he's got to carry that with him. He's got that's a huge mistake. That's a huge mistake that would eat me alive. I think it would eat any of us alive if we if because, because you should have known. You should have known. My point is if I prosecute one person who is not guilty and they go to prison, I would carry that with me forever. You're right about that. That would eat at me. But if you're charging 43 dudes with no evidence. He had to think he had some evidence. Had to. Apparently, juries convicted some of these people. You had some? I just... You had some? Either way, either way. This guy is coming up. He's on the eve of whole town's rematch. children have been diddled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's on the eve of a rematch with a guy who he's got to see as somebody who... Who Arch smoked nemesis. him, right? Dude got you. Dude pointed out that you done, you done messed up, Leroy. Not only do I remember you messed up, I'm going to remind all these people you messed up. Right. All through this, I've got... 
I've got what's probably his DNA on the thing, and I've got her blood on his carpet, but I've got all this unaccount. I can't account for all this other evidence. I can't account for all this other DNA. I can't, you know, Liz Reed is going to come in and she knew about, she knew stuff about the murder weapon that she shouldn't have known about. Right. Where'd she see this video? Did they get her DNA by the way to test against that cigarette? You know, it was never said that it was her DNA. So I'm assuming, I'd have to say they tested it, but I mean, maybe they do tests. They do, they do Liz's. They get all their DNAs. Like there has to be other people that they're communicating with during this period of time. Yeah. And all that like sort of muddies the water and maybe other people are are flying under the radar. But that, in my mind, doesn't exculpate him. Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. That just means there were other dudes involved. But I could also see him getting shook. And I think that that's what happened. Well, and I'm sure the psychological aspect of him bringing up those prior cases where not only he got smoked, but he was wrong. Right. Um. Anybody can lose, but to be that wrong about something where I think most prosecutors care about trying to get it right, right? And you get it wrong on such a huge scale. And I, I think he was shook. Um, now, I will say this, because this is the very the very last little bitty that I wanted to go through. The plea goes through uh, and defendant did this stupid thing on the record. So the the judge takes his plea, you know, a plea guilty. Uh, judge reads the statement prepared by the lawyer, I'm sure, you know, whatever, but attributable to the defendant. And then goes, is is that statement that you wrote, is that true? And, you know, there's a million freaking cameras in there. And he goes, yeah. And then they're like, okay, cool. They sentence him to 14 years, three months, something like that. He gets up, walks out immediately afterward. He tries to withdraw that plea, says, uh, uh, you know, that's why I paused there because it wasn't the truth. And I, and I, and I didn't do it. Says he was framed by law enforcement and uh, blah, 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 blah. His appeals uh, were not successful. I, I couldn't find Cheryl, you know, gave me a great suggestion as to where to try to find uh, using some of the resources that we have, uh, try to find his appeals. Uh, I couldn't find anything out of Washington. And, but um, here's the thing. Parole eligible in 2023. We are almost in. We ain't that far. We're in 2022. Uh, I will remind everyone. Tessa has never been prosecuted for anything involving the murder of Mackenzie Cow. Um, but the. What, what was the one last thing I wanted to put out here? Oh, the prosecutor gave his reasoning for the plea offer. Uh, somehow did I miss it or did I not write it down? Well, I'm pretty sure I remember the reasoning that he gave, which was something along the lines of one was that he couldn't, he could prove that her blood was in his apartment, but not that he was there when it happened. I mean, that sounds kind of like a cop out to me. It sounds like a cop out to me. Somebody else, what, broke into his apartment, murdered her, bounced, and that's how the blood got there? Like, come on, man. Beyond a reasonable doubt, dude did it. And his DNA's on the duct tape? His half-assed DNA's on the duct tape. Whatever. It's good enough. It is. For these purposes, him leaving the spot right after her. All you need is an expert to testify about random match probability and what it means. Yeah. I, now, of course, 
I say this, I don't want to be unnecessarily critical of another prosecutor and we don't have access to his file, right? right we, don't we don't know what all was there. Maybe I'm not know. mad at that plea offer. 14 years. I mean, when, if assuming, I don't know what life entail, what life means on a murder in, 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 in Washington. Washington. I, don't know. I mean, here, if you know, if you get, that's uh, on the bottom end, you get 15. True. But I mean, if I'm, if I'm concerned about the proof and I'm going to, I'm going to get somebody for 14. I mean, I don't, and like you family, said, I don't the know. The family's on board with I it. I don't know he, what his evidence was. I mean, to me, looking mm-hmm. from 30,000 feet, it, mm-hmm. it looks like dude had pretty good evidence. And mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, question that, but yep. not knowing maybe, I mean, dude, maybe he maybe just copped out. Maybe he got scared because dude busted him up last go round and he didn't want to, he didn't want a, a repeat. But on the other hand, maybe he was like, mm, I'm telling you, if we're going, we go to trial, we might go down with the ship on this one and mm-hmm. I don't want it twice. So, well, and, and we, so like Cheryl said, when we talked about the type of DNA that, or the, the, the quality of the DNA hit on the defendant and you yeah. very quickly were like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not, it's not one in whatever octillion, but how many male family members does he have, you know, in the area or, or right. who else it could be. Um, but a, a jury with a, very tanned defense lawyer who's going to have his own expert and you can mess around with statistics and do all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, if I have to think that the defense lawyer had something to do with this play. Here's where I'm at Mm -hmm. with regard to my opinion on it. Always as a prosecutor, when you make a plea offer, because there's something in your case that you know is damaging to you. And other people don't know because they don't have access to all the information you know. They always question why your sanity. Obviously, this person is guilty. I can't believe you would do something like this. And I don't want to make that kind of a judgment on another prosecutor because I don't know what there is that we don't know about. Exactly. However, (laughs) if all there is is what we know about, I'm charging Wilson Mm. And I'm charging the Tess abroad mm. with murder one. Mm. And they're either going to go down together or they're going to walk together. Mm. But we're taking that to the box because they did this. Word. And hopefully the uh, approaching jury trial, since there are two of them and they're both in this video talking about where the blood stain was. Eventually someone's going to talk. Mm-hmm. It probably isn't going to be the guy with fancy lawyer. It's probably going to be Tessa, but you know what? Mm-hmm. That's okay with me. Yeah. Let's get something out of her. Not just about Chris, but about the other people who are obviously involved. Cause we might got some other unexplained DNAs. Yeah. Um, the DNA part is just, it's the big question mark for me on this. Like it's just what there's just DNA everywhere. And I mean, just because it's under her fingernails, that doesn't mean, that it happened during the struggle for her life. Well, and right? that's Just what I was about to say. The like wheel. the steering wheel DNA, did they test that against like her dad? It's her dad's car, apparently, right. registered to him. Right. Or yeah. or the guy who found the car and reported it to the police. Did he open it if it was unlocked and look in and see what was right. in there and, and then call the, the law, wheel. touch a steering mm-hmm. wheel? You know, I, I don't know. There could be DNA is fantastic evidence. Can be. Um, but you have to look at it in context always. Yeah. In context always. Obviously, if you got two male DNAs inside that duct tape, there were two males who were involved in this. 
Yep. Yeah. That, that, I think that's a reasonable, reasonable inference, inference to draw. One of those yeah. dudes was Wilson. Yeah. Other dudes still unknown. But I'm telling you, charge both of them with murder one. Go hard. One of them's going to roll. Probably going to be old girl. Mm-hmm. But you got a video of him talking about getting rid of the stain in the floor. And then his defense to that is, oh, the cops planted it. The cops planted something. You were filming days before the cops ever knew anything happened. Months before. Months before. The cops ever knew anything happened in this apartment. And it's that exact spot. And you got this. To me, you're done. The picture. You're done. You're convicted. Girlfriend's statement to boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. That like all oh, something bad happened, yeah. and she's paying where the body was, and mm-hmm. the 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 footage from the beauty shop. Well, they're leaving at the same time. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, that is a good case. It is. A it's good a case. good circumstantial case. Uh, a little bit better than circumstantial because you got his finger or his DNA, his DNA. in the. Uh, well, and um, like you said, I, I will ca- I will put a caveat unless there's stuff we, unless we there's don't stuff know we don't know about. about. Unless, right. which which could very well be the case, right? There's could certainly be things we don't know about, but if what we know is what happened, uh, which that's the which whole is what I just said, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If if what we know is is what it is, what it is, mm-hmm, then then this was probably a, a he was given a gift of yeah, fourteen years. He was given a gift, and which is funny because when I first heard this case, what made me want to do this case is I got so angry when my girls on Morbid were like. Why on earth would you let this killer get 14 years? And Unless there's something you don't know. Ultimately, right. Unless there's, and I'm saying the same exact thing with the caveat of unless there's something we don't know. I, I have to agree. Him leaving right after her, not coming back. This weird phone stuff, uh, the DNA. And like, you know, well, and, and we've got cases like this. There's, there, uh, there's more than one person here. There's, there's Chris Wilson there's probably Tessa as well. And then there's possibly another male or two multiple male th- people and may not get to them, but they're not on trial. Like that doesn't mean that these folks weren't involved. You ain't got to get them all to know. you. At get least someone. not all at once right. either. Right. That doesn't mean someone else can't be prosecuted down the line. Mm. Once we figure out who they are. Indeed. Well, I've, I've tried a murder that, maybe involved more than one person and just tried one person. And that was part of what I said to the jury. Mm -hmm. Look, this other person that may or may not be involved, they're not here today. They're not on trial. Mm -hmm. You just got to consider the evidence against this This defendant. Mm -hmm. And clearly he did this. (laughs) Well, and I mean, I guess, you know, playing devil's advocate too, like if you're trying to, obviously one of the things we have to do as prosecutors is try to anticipate defenses. Right. Right. And you could, I mean, maybe if I'm Coke guy, I'm going to argue that, all right, you know, maybe they've got circumstantial evidence that the homegirl got dead in my client's apartment. But you've got other DNA on this duct tape. You can't prove a motive, which is not an element of the crime, but speaks to premeditation and deliberation. Why would you do this? Maybe somebody else who he won't implicate because he ain't a snitch Mm -hmm. murked these people, murked her in his apartment and he helped get rid of the body. He disposed that body. You're damn right. Mm-hmm. But he didn't kill her. Mm. And then they go, oh, well, there's mm. blood on the carpet. That that's that means you did it. And I don't there. There could be proof issues there. I mean, and maybe that explains the prosecutor's statement that we can prove that her blood was on the carpet. But he, we can't prove that he was there. Yeah. All right. This might be a good time to talk a little bit about um, problems or, or maybe not problems difficulties that are unique to a prosecutor um 
you know, we carry the burden in a case, but that burden comes with other burdens, plenty of burdens from all directions. Mm. And um, a prosecutor uh, coming up to a looming trial date can feel pressure from everywhere. Um, and it's worth talking about because, you know, <clears throat> I some people, in, and in this case in particular, because of the plea that was offered and accepted and the ultimate resolution, you know, and, and even us, you know, we kind of scratch our heads a little bit, but we at least understand there might and probably is something or multiple things under the surface here that are not a matter of public record that motivated this prosecutor to do this. So um, Cheryl is the organized one. Mm -hmm. And um, typical. Am I right? I apologize <laughs> for being so very confident. <laughs> yeah, notes. All these notes, all this organization. So Cheryl, um, have you been able to uh, categorize in that beautiful mind of yours uh, various pressures and, and other factors for prosecutors in plea negotiations? Indeed. So when we started talking about this case, I kind of jotted down some prosecutorial challenges and considerations for plea negotiations. And I have like four major categories, some of which may have a little subcategory, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, the first consideration is always public safety. Mm. Uh, public safety more so than public sentiment, but public sentiment also Ooh. has to be a consideration because a lot of prosecutors are elected. Indeed. So it's important not only to feed for their bloodlust. Right. <laughs> right. Um, Stoke the Wenatchee witch hunt. Right. No. So it's important both overall for public safety to make sure if you have so have someone who has a history of violence or is anticipated through uh, either the facts of your case or through actual evaluations to have the propensity to continue to commit violent acts, mm -hmm. you want to make sure you protect the public from that person. Right by either rehabilitative efforts or incarceration or ideally both. Well, and, and think about this uh, on that kind of thing. If you've got somebody with history and they've got violent history and then you give them a softy of a plea deal or what would objectively be called a softy and then they go out and hurt somebody again. You also feel responsible for that. You, yeah. And they're not going to be mad at the de at the defense lawyer who did his job and got a sweetheart deal. They're going to be like, oh, well, that's not his fault. They're going to blame the prosecutor and they're going to blame the judge. Um, both of whom, at least in our jurisdictions, are elected positions. So, you know, and, and like you said, the absolute guilt, uh, if I threw somebody a softball and they turn around and hurt somebody in the near future after that, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to lose sleep over that. Right. Um, and that is not to say that it's not. You should never offer plea offers. There are absolute reasons to offer plea offers, even to people who are not the most stand up of citizens. Um, and I think we'll get into that, um, as we go through this discussion, especially with regard to, uh, Miss Cow's case that we're discussing. Um, but it's important, but for, pu for public safety and for the public, both feeling that their elected prosecutor is responsive to what their needs are and is doing a good job in, yeah. in maintaining public safety. Confidence in, in the government. That's right. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, you can lose trust in your governmental officials just like you lose trust in a relationship. And yeah. it's just as hard to repair. Ooh. I'm not at a ballot box. Uh, well, ain't that hard. <laughs> I mean, reestablishing trust. If you want to yes. just cut it off, right. you're, you're correct. Right. Um, 
So consideration is overall public safety. Uh, another consideration is the victim. Not only the victim's wishes and goals, but the victim's continued health and welfare in some cases. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. So in this case, we had a murder case. She obviously has surviving family um, who want to make sure that justice is done. Uh, in certain cases, um, sex assault cases specifically, especially if they involve uh, a lot of violence or um, very young victims, it's difficult to be a victim in an offense of violence because your life becomes sort of part of this trial through no fault of your own. Right. And it's that, that's easy the, to feel re-victimized by yes. having to go through the process of telling what happened to you, sometimes multiple times, uh, in order to see that the person who victimized you is convicted and dealt with accordingly. Because that's the defense number one, right? Is that you you either beat up and or just try to try to make the jury dislike. The victim. That's the, right. the number Dis one playbook. Discredit them. Discredit them. And if you can't discredit them, make the jury dislike them. And you do that by trying to get them upset or riled up or bringing up things that they've you know done or or, or and it's it's difficult for yeah. victims. If cases go to trial, crimes of violence with a victim, a surviving victim, it's not easy for that victim. For, it is absolutely re-traumatizing. Particularly, I mean, obviously all violence, but particularly sexual violence, oh, right? Geez. Like yeah. it'd be one thing if you had to go into a room full of strangers, you know, 14 people in a box or maybe even more, depending on how many alternates, a judge up on the bench, all these officials, spectators and so on, and just talk about it. That would be awkward enough, right? But then you basically have a defense attorney whose job it is to say, you're a liar. Yeah. Didn't happen. You're full of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, a whore, by the yeah, way. Right. You asked for it. Why'd you dress that way? And um, I can't imagine. That would be awful. Yes. Yeah. And to be clear, we do everything legally, legally that we can to protect our victims, to limit what questions are asked of them. Um, but inevitably, and, right, of right. course. But inevitably, there are still areas. And even just talking about the event itself is so difficult and traumatic that sometimes it's it's a cost benefit analysis to your victim. Yeah. And I try to be open with victims about the fact that it's it's going to be difficult to talk about and it could be a difficult road, uh, sometimes depending on the facts of the case more than others. Um, and you need to for yourself weigh the costs and benefits of trying to work this case out through a plea agreement versus you being put through a trial. Cause I can go through a trial all day, but for them, it's a very scarring and traumatic experience that only happens once. Yeah. Uh, we definitely want to bring their uh, attacker to justice, but not at the expense of our victim. Yeah. Um, well, and sometimes, you know, they are um, they're they're terrified of getting put under the microscope, which is what's going to happen. And they're terrified of having to tell it and go through it. Uh, other times, <laughs> I don't know if you've had this experience. They're not terrified. And I'm like, then you don't know what this is about to be. <laughs> Like, I should just embrace their their positivity and like, you know, hey, girl, you got this. But I'm like, mm, bet. Yeah, you got no idea. You got if you ain't scared, you got no idea what's about to happen. Um, 
maybe, I don't know. I'm also not the best with victims. So, I mean, if it's a kid, I'm good with them. I'm really good with kid victims, I think. And um, you are. Y- yeah. And, and, but, th- and that's different, you know, golly, there's something about fighting for a kid, right? That you're just like, you get that, get that juice. But, um, so a uh, victim would be the uh, second category of considerations. Um, and I guess I should add a fourth, uh, or sorry, a fifth consideration. That's the really big one that we need to talk about with regard to this case. But mm-hmm. uh, third would be officers and colleagues oh, uh, yeah. who have also worked on the case yeah. and are invested in the case. Yeah. These are officers who went out on scene, maybe came upon a gruesome scene, worked really hard to find as much evidence as they could. Mm-hmm. And they're invested in the case as well. Certainly. Um, yeah. It so, might've investigated for, you know, extensive period you know a year or more sometimes depending on the nature of the case they might have been putting in hours and then you're like oh we're gonna cut cut some, a deal some cases sometimes yeah. they pull a car over and go can i search and they oh, go yeah, yeah sure and oh yeah know, but i mean know. that's like your your average drug case but i'm sure like in this case they worked oh for, gosh yeah i mean who knows how many, how many man hours put yeah. into it and you're like oh well we're gonna plead it out to what they perceive to be a little bit of nothing and yeah you can get some pretty heated uh law enforcement folk that's why i have the post-it Post it on my computer. Ask the officer, ask the victim. Those are my two posts I got to do before I send out a plea. It's on my, it's on my uh, computer because I need need that posted. Right, but it it is important to uh, keep open communications not only with your victim but with your officers because you work with those officers all the time. They're out there working hard and putting their lives on the line to protect the public and uh, their efforts and their investigative efforts they they matter too. Yeah, so it's sure. important to consult with them. Um, and you can you if you burn that relationship uh, on our end, trust. That, that's it's bad. another trust. It's relationship. another trust relationship uh, for sure. Um, and then um, let, let's talk about the one I was going to add as fifth next. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, fourth mm-hmm. consideration would be uh, just plainly the strength of your case. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would. That's the first one for me is like, can I even prove this case? Yeah, because right. uh, so, there we've all had cases where we know what happened, but knowing what it. happened and proven mm-hmm. it are often very different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and things can get dicey if you know that. There were things that came up that make people's statements maybe not admissible or certain other evidence. Or even if you don't have an issue where something isn't admissible, if you just don't know if what you have been able to amass is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of these things are playing not only with each other, but against each other. You have, uh, say you have a, a, a crime of violence like you have here, and it's a serious offense of violence. Obviously, big risks out there to public safety. Sure. Um, your victim was a, a, an innocent young girl who was killed. Um, officers formed a task force and worked really hard on this case. But do you have enough? And as we've talked about, I think if what we know about is all there is, I, I probably would have rolled some more dice yeah. than, than this prosecutor. But yeah. again... Lots of prosecutors aren't going to talk about all the things in their case that make it difficult to prove. Right. Uh, especially not publicly. Um, so there could be lots of other things in here that you don't have. So all of those things competing together, you know, you're looking at someone who, for all intents and purposes, should have a really <clears throat> long penitentiary sentence. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, even even life imprisonment. And then if you're looking at, if I take this case to trial... And I don't have it. Right. There's nothing. Right. That's mm-hmm. and I think that's what maybe folks who aren't in the in the crim law game or or lawyers in general like what they 
why they don't understand that pressure. Because if you get up to the plate and you put people in the box and you have a trial and you swing and you strike out, that's it. You don't yeah. get a redo. You don't you don't get to come back again. You know, I mean, I guess OJ, they got him on that robbery, right? But that was another <laughs> yeah. completely other crime wait that he for the decided. Next case. To, yeah, yeah, wait for the next time we'll, that we'll they get him next time. Yeah. Right. But you're talking about a young girl, and if if you swing and you miss on that, oh, that and pressure yeah, is killer. I guess the, you you may get a compromise verdict out of a jury where they you know convict of some lesser offense, some lesser included offense. But on a case like this, I mean, it's pretty often cut or dry. You you believe he's guilty of being involved in this homicide, or he's not. Right. And so you're going to get a murder, or you're going to get an acquittal. Yeah, an acquittal means they walk right out, no jail time, no nothing. Whether or not you believe strongly that he did it, even though you believe strongly that someone did it and you you you're pretty much knowing that this person did it. Being able to prove it is an entirely different thing altogether. And when you're faced with. If I if I take this all the way and there's an acquittal, I have nothing, nothing to help the public. Right. Nothing to protect other people. Nothing to show for this victim or her family. And all of these officers' efforts were for absolutely nothing. Yep. And two, I mean, another thing that, that, I mean, obviously a lot of that depends on the way the trial unfolds, but a lot of people don't understand that, okay, well, you take it to the box, you try somebody, you get a conviction. That's not the end of the story. Right. You've got, especially if you're going to get life out of somebody, they've got nothing to do for the remainder of their days on earth but yeah. to file appeals. And Maybe there was some reversible error that was committed, yeah. something that's going to lead to a retrial. And at that point, witnesses have moved on, died, recollections faded, whatever, and you can't prove it. So a lot of times that sort of the finality of a plea agreement mm -hmm. is what motivates that disposition. A, a guaranteed secured conviction. I mean, because you can still appeal if you plead, but yeah, good you, luck. Ain't, you ain't getting nothing. Um, and... Yeah, the, the, the guarantee of a conviction that comes with a plea is often the um, a big motivator in a case like this because you just don't want to walk away empty-handed, um, especially in a case like this. I I've never had I've never had full acquittals across the board, but uh, you know I had a case that was almost all acquittals and sitting there listening to those not guilty pleas when I knew what the guy did, I knew he was guilty. And just hearing those not guilties, everyone was just a punch to the gut um, when you care about what you do. Yeah. Uh, so. And that, I mean, like the other thing too, like, you know, I, I think people sometimes forget when they're looking at a case from afar, they're reading about it in the media or whatever, but the jurors get reminded when they get the instructions at the end of the case after the close of evidence that an acquittal doesn't mean that the dude didn't do it. Right. It doesn't mean he's innocent. It means that the state didn't prove his guilt. Right. There's so, no legal finding of innocence in a case like this. You're right. either state's proven you guilty or they have not proven you guilty. And I think maybe we've discussed before a little bit that the state's burden is beyond any and all reasonable doubt, which is the highest standard under the law in this country. And the jurors are reminded of that ad nauseum by the time it's time for them to reach a verdict. So if you don't have the goods... A plea agreement often is the way to go. And sometimes the, the public doesn't agree with that. They don't understand that. But they ain't got to prove it either, though. They, that, right. that's they don't my have right. the burden. <laughs> I'm done now. Cheryl, you may continue. Yeah. So and the um, 
the other consideration, and I threw this in there because it's more of a, a legally uh, imposed consideration for me in doing juvenile work than it is for um, me when I do adult felony work. But uh, the other factor is the defendant um, mm. to make sure that the defendant's rights are uh maintained and recognized and followed and to make sure that the process and the outcome is fair. Um, and of course, when you have a, a crime of violence, um, those considerations are lesser than if you have, like you were talking about earlier, a property crime. Um, you know, is it is it fair that someone who uh, broke into your car goes to prison or whatever? Right. Um, rather than looking at the reasoning maybe behind why the car was broken into what he got out of it and how you could help him not do commit further crimes in the future. I mean, what's justice looks different in just about every case, right? Or it can. And right. We and have a lot of tools to help folks. Right. And and for, for folks who don't know about uh, West Virginia, juvenile law is pretty progressive in a lot of ways. Um, and when you get to the disposition or sentencing part of those cases, the court is bound to look at what is in the best interest of the offender, um, which is uh, really difficult for a lot of victims to understand. Um, but uh, that's what the code says. Yeah. So um, there is an element of rehabilitation sometimes built into plea negotiations that the state will consider, but uh, definitely not above public safety victim and officers and just the the plain old strength of your case yeah and a hot take controversial hot take (laughs) here it comes i'm gonna say it i've said it before and i think we all agree on this and i might have mentioned it once before already even in this podcast but uh the person in the courtroom and a lot of defense attorneys are probably going to lose their minds if i say this (laughs) the person who is probably most concerned with preserving the defendant's rights the prosecutor Yes, because we want to body you (laughs) for what you did and we want that conviction to stick. And if there are errors committed, uh, primary among them being your rights were violated, well, then most likely that conviction is going to be overturned and we desperately want to avoid that. So if there sometimes we it really, truly feels like we are advocating for the defendants more than anybody, even their own counsel in certain cases because we want to ensure that those convictions stand after, you know, on appellate scrutiny. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, not just for appellate reasons, really, but because that's the responsibility, part of the responsibility you have as a prosecutor, you take that additional oath. Um, Quasi-judicial official. Yes, to, to you know, do what's in the best interest of, of the citizens. And part of the citizenry, whether we like it or not, is the defendant. Um, so we have to make sure that people's rights are preserved and protected and that we do things the right way. Well, and we've mentioned, and I'll double back to victims. Um, you know, if, if we get a, uh, a sloppy conviction that then gets overturned, mm-hmm. you're taking that scab that might've been healing on this victim and you're just ripping it right back open and saying, guess what? We got to go back. We got to open this can of worms and deal with this all over again, which uh, certain types of cases I could I can only imagine what that's yeah. like. Thank God I've not had one of those yet. Yeah. And you won't. That's right. Because <laughs> we're so concerned with victims or with defendants. rights. That's right, bro. That's not what we do. We take care of it. Totally. Well, is that is that your. Uh, your list of considerations? Yes, I think that gets us through the uh, little list of considerations that I made. I noticed you did not mention 
uh, where the trial lies in relation to my planned vacation. You didn't list that as a <laughs> consideration for plea negotiations. Did not. <laughs> Did oh, not. vacations are sacred. Right. Okay. Yes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Trying to schedule some trials in the summer. Well, judge, I'm out that week. Uh, judge, defense counsel's out that week. Court's like, I'm out that week. <laughs> and a trial date in the summer can be rough. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess I'd much rather do a trial over the summer than around the holidays, though. Agreed. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, at least in the summertime, like, you know, it might be a slight inconvenience for you, but you usually have a panel of people who are there and whatever. But you start bringing people around uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, mm. ooh, they pissed at you. Mm-hmm. They want to be traveling, seeing family, not sitting in a box listening to your shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, well, I'm not going to get into it, but I know we mentioned a little bit before, we ask a lot of jurors and around the, the holiday season, that's just cranking it up to another level. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. All right. Well. We'll uh, we'll dip back in from this little tangent, I guess, and and get back to our uh, get back to our tale. That's right. Oh shoot! I totally forgot something. I didn't even write into my notes. What's that? Uh, okay. So pre-trial, the return of Liz Reed, right? Yeah. Liz Reed comes back. Da, 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 da. She says, "Not only that, I will take you police to where they told me the murder actually happened." She goes out there, and I don't know if she does this on her own or if she's with police, which is really an important thing I should know (laughs) that I don't. Down in the dust, there's a ring. She picks it up. They take it. It's bagged as evidence. It's a a lady's ring. It's kind of unique. It's got like some little balls on it. Um, It's the best way to describe it. And... They show it to Mackenzie's family. They show it to her dad. They show it to her mom. They show it to dad's girlfriend. They show it to Joaquin. They show it to all these people. And they go, I don't, I ain't, that's, I've never seen her with that ring. I don't know what that ring's about. A defense lawyer produces a picture of victim taking a selfie with old digital cameras. You remember those? Um, taking a selfie in the mirror. And that looks it, ah, you, there's a ring on her finger and boy, oh boy. I mean, it's not like, it's not like an iPhone 13 resolution, but it sure does look like the same color ring. That's got some balls on the top of it, uh, which it, it looked like the ring that they found in my objective opinion. I'm not saying it was the ring, but I went, Oh, that looks like that ring that she pulled out of this place where she says, Sammy and Buddha done did the thing. I wasn't sure for a second whether you were going to tell us that they were able to connect the ring or whether you were going to tell us there was actually a snuff film that happened at that location that they later had to investigate. Oh, no. No. Snuff films, man. The whole idea of that creeps me out. The fact that that Liz has information about the crime that wasn't released to the public, mm-hmm. I mean, that bothers me. Yeah. It lends credibility to what she's saying. She might be a crackhead who generally can't be trusted but if you're given key information that ain't nobody else know mm-hmm. well and if you work if you're working any more than one case as an informant you're giving credible information true, at least at some true, point yeah. true. somewhere somewhere along the line and this ring because the ankle keep using you if you're not and credible. the, the right. prosecutor the prosecutor and the police were like that, that ain't her ring that ain't, we, we showed it to the family ain't nobody know. That, that ain't her ring that ain't her ring and they were pretty hard on that ain't her ring but I, I looked at that picture and it gave me pause that that was a a, a ring. Uh, 
look like the one in the picture to me. So, hold up. You don't know whether old Liz took the police out and the police found the ring? Or old Liz went out to where she said it happened and allegedly found this ring. That is the part that I should have been better prepared for in this exact moment. But I will say, I stayed up really late last night finishing these notes. And where do, this is where not is even this in my place notes. located? Washington. <laughs> so like you the place where she said it happened, you don't know where that was? Uh, no, but she, she, she took them there, described it. She did take police there. I know that, but okay. I don't know. You if, don't know if it was the same the time ring, she found the ring or not? Right. I don't know if the ring was found at that occasion or if she was like, I found this ring. Let me show you where I found it. Was, it's also where they said she was dead. Was where she said that they find any evidence linking her or the car or anyone's phones. Nothing that we know of, but that yeah. doesn't mean it wasn't there. It doesn't mean that that's not something that would have could have factored into these plea negotiations. I do love, though, I do love that my man's Whatever, even if it was a poor plea deal and and it was a chicken out move, and that happens, we've I've made pleas that I regret later. I, yeah, you get gun shy sometimes, right? Um, but like like but, Ray said, sometimes having something is better than having nothing at all. Absolutely, absolutely. And and he got something out of this. And what I love is that he gives this sweetheart deal of the century six and a half. Dude says. Nope. And then immediately wants it back after a jury starts to get picked. And the dude, because I got to tell you, if I, if you just I, doubled your time, right? If I, <laughs> yeah. if and I make that deal. plea, if I make that plea <laughs> offer and I feel some sort of way that I, I feel poorly enough about my case that I'm going to plead a first degree murder to a manslaughter six and a half. And then you come back at me and say, okay, I, I, I prayed on it. I want that. I'm going to be hard pressed to go. Whoo. Yeah. Right. Here's the birds, buddy. You can double that. Like that's a, that's a bold move. I give him some kudos on that. Yeah. It's something. It's something. But that is the case of the murder of Mackenzie Cowell. Okay. What do you think of that? What are your thoughts? Anything? Any lasting feelings? Is it a dumb case, Joe? It's a stupid. No, I mean it's an interesting case. It's Got a very lot of... interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. He definitely uh, killed her. <laughs> Um, was involved in some capacity yeah right i yeah. you can't otherwise explain her blood in his apartment right mm-hmm. to me that's the key piece of evidence the studio apartment by the way small mm. it ain't ain't like he no was one's getting room. dead in that apartment without everyone else there knowing exactly yeah um yeah he he definitely is involved uh whether or not you know and it certainly sounds like other people were involved, but I, you just, I, to me, you can't get around the, uh, her blood in his apartment and them with the videos. Yeah. yeah. That's big, about it. right? It turns it's out the exact spot yes. where they're taking the videos that her blood is. That's, yes. that's determinative. Plus when the, he's leaving right after her. Right. And I, his DNA in the duct tape. I mean. Yeah. Why is your duct so, tape? I mean, not to discount all Liz and the mm-hmm. fact that someone has told her additional details about this crime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, who but knows? We Wilson didn't say was that. involved. I mean, she yeah. she's a professional snitch, right? I mean, right. maybe uh, an officer in the the law enforcement there told her something. Two ways of communication. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes that's true. It, it could have leaked out to her. Like maybe they're having a conversation. Leaks happen. Yeah, and then she's. I mean, I don't know. You would hope that. Or yeah. maybe if a uh, old boy defense attorney has been practicing in the area for a while, he might get wind of who some folks are. And maybe he. I'm not going to say he. Mm. Not going to say something. Mm. Mm. But 
Well, I on I do know that Sammy, uh, old Sammy, is dead. And uh, last I checked, Buddha was in prison on some dope charges hmm. in the state of Washington. So, but that is the case of the murder of Mackenzie Cowell. I think it's interesting. Uh, hopefully, I didn't poop all over it. I thought it was uh, uh, an interesting case. And so, if you have any other interesting cases that you think we could or should talk about, shoot us an email at notruebillpodcast at gmail.com and we will uh, certainly look into it because we're, we're looking for more material, tracking down some cases. I know Ray's got a case. Cheryl, we got to catch you another case yeah. uh, here <laughs> with a quickness. I do not need to catch another case. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I know what you mean. You I'll know be what looking I mean. for another one. Yeah, be looking, be looking. And uh, I will... Uh, start prowling for some other ones too. It was fun, as always. Uh, so until next time, y'all stay out of trouble. I think I did say something. I was like, it's crazy, right? It's just wow. But they, they had one part I forgot to mention where the dude uh, that they thought was the culprit, the guy that they you know, did the search for and all that. Yeah. They found he was corresponding with uh, like a 15, 16 year old mm-hmm. in Colorado. And, you know, you coming to America? Yeah, dude. And he had this contract with this kid that basically said, when I, I have a being of sound mind and blah, 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 when I turn 18, I'm going to come and surrender myself to you and you can kill me anyway. And then they, what? The reason that they, and it, that he said. That would not be a legally enforceable contract because she was a minor at the time it was turned into. Yeah, Angel asked me something to that effect. She was like, so. That's can, some legal knowledge. She, yeah, Drop she, it off.